Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics, the law, and a lot of things in between. And the biggest legal and political story right now is whether or not the former president, President Trump, will be the first former president in our nation's history to be criminally indicted. And as many of you know, we're talking about an indictment potentially by the New York District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, concerning hush money payments that Michael Cohen, the former president's fixer and attorney, made to adult film star Stormy Daniels. I'm going to walk you through exactly what the charges are, but I want to tell you up front, I am actually really worried that these charges are going to be brought, not because I think the former president didn't do anything wrong, not because I think Trump should never be criminally indicted, but because this is a difficult case to win, and we can all imagine exactly what's going to happen if the former president does, in fact, successfully defend against these charges, he's going to say, I told you it's just a political winch hunt. We already know that he's trying to gin up support from his base in statements that frankly sound a lot like the statements he made in the lead up to January 6. And so we can only imagine, again, if the former president does successfully defend against these charges, that he is going to say, I just told you there's no basis for any of these investigations, and therefore I worry that this indictment, if it's not successful, if Trump is not convicted, that it could potentially threaten other indictments, which I think are really important, and it could make other state prosecutors and federal prosecutors skittish about moving forward on claims and investigations that I think are really, really important. So let's get down to it. What are the other cases that are pending against the former president? Well, we've talked about all of them on the show. We have number one, the investigation into January 6th. And the fact that all the evidence indicates that the former president fomented an insurrection, that he tried to thwart the peaceful transfer of power. And as we saw from the January 6th House Select Committee, that can actually amount to federal law violations that essentially boil down to the president, one, giving aid or comfort to those who engage in an insurrection, and two, trying to stop an official proceeding. What was that proceeding? It was the counting of electoral college votes. But that's not the only case related to the election. We also know that there's a state law investigation in Georgia. The Georgia DA is looking at whether or not the former president tried to engage in election fraud there when he had that famous phone call with the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, and he said some version of, just find me almost 12,000 votes. Again, that's a case that's continuing to be investigated, and we have a phone call in that case. I would say the evidence looks pretty clear there. Again, it's not just January 6th. It's not just Georgia. It's also the Mar-a-Lago investigation. We know from the FBI raiding, although raiding maybe isn't exactly the right word, but executing a search warrant at the residence of the former president, that there were documents that should not have been there, that there were classified documents that the former president kept. Those are our documents, not his documents. 
and that the Department of Justice repeatedly asked for those documents. We've talked about a whole host of federal statutes that could be violated based on that behavior. And then, of course, there's behavior not related to the president's time in office or after his time in office, which is the New York investigation into whether or not Trump and the Trump organization committed financial crimes by lying about the value of properties in order to get favorable tax treatment, better loans, better insurance. The former president is already facing a civil case related to those claims. A criminal case has not been brought, but it's not totally outside the realm of possibility. So those are some cases that are ongoing where I think the former president absolutely should be held accountable, but that's not the case, it looks like, where there will be the first indictment. Instead, it looks like we're going to see our first indictment of a former president, again, ever in our nation's history, related to this hush money payment in 2016 to Stormy Daniels. So let's refresh all of our recollections here. What happened? It's the eve of the 2016 presidential election, and Stormy Daniels is shopping around a story that she had an affair with then-candidate Trump before he was ever a candidate. Michael Cohen, the president's former attorney and fixer, through a shell corporation, paid Stormy Daniels $130,000 not to share her claims that she had an affair with Trump. Now, so far, nothing really is wrong. A hush money payment is not in and of itself illegal. The problem here is that it was done to influence the 2016 election. Therefore, it should be viewed as a campaign contribution. And $130,000 is obviously way over the $2,700 per donor limit in that particular election cycle. It was also undisclosed. And if you think that's not particularly important, the answer is, well, that's part of what Michael Cohen actually pled guilty to in federal court. And he said, I did that at the direction of individual number one. Now, we all know that individual number one is Trump. And again, Cohen said, I made those payments because Trump told me to. And that involves Trump in the illegal behavior. Now, why didn't the former president face federal charges at the time? Because he was the sitting president, and we know that there's that Department of Justice memo that says you don't indict a sitting president. But that doesn't mean he didn't engage in any wrongdoing. It meant at the time the Department of Justice just didn't want to move forward. So how is Trump involved in this hush money payment? As we said, number one, Michael Cohen, in a plea deal accepted in federal court, says, I made this payment at the direction of individual number one, who we know is Trump. Also, Trump reimbursed Cohen for the payments, but, and here's where we start moving into the current New York case, but he improperly listed those reimbursements as legal expenses. They weren't legal expenses. And he claimed that there was a retainer agreement with Michael Cohen, which apparently never existed. So this is where we start to get to the meat of the New York DA's case here, because that repayment of Michael Cohen and improperly 
listing that reimbursement payment as legal expenses, that can give rise to the crime of falsifying business records. Now, normally that crime, that New York state crime of falsifying business records, that's just a misdemeanor charge, but it can be kicked up to a felony. Essentially, if prosecutors can show that Trump tried to cover up another crime related to that falsification of business records. Now, this is where things get thornier for a prosecutor, because you have to show that Trump intended to commit or intended to conceal another crime. And we know that when it comes to Trump and it comes to intent, it's always tricky because he speaks in code, he doesn't send emails or texts, and he'll say one thing, and then 10 seconds later, he'll say, I didn't say that, I didn't mean it. And, you know, just one famous example is he repeatedly will say things like, I never met that person. And then apparently a few minutes later, we'll say, oh, yeah, well, I didn't know that person well, or here's a picture of me and this person. And the Washington Post actually did a survey not that long after his presidency and found that he had lied about 30,000 times during the course of his presidency. Now, the question, if we can get past intent, is what was that other crime? And at this point, I want you to vision like a fork in the road. So on the one side, there are state crimes. And on the other side, there are federal crimes. And I think there's some hurdles for a prosecutor when it comes to both. Now, for state crimes, what we could potentially be looking at is a violation of New York election law because it prohibits people from conspiring to, and I'm going to quote here, promote or prevent the election of any person to a public office by unlawful means. So that could be the section of the New York State Criminal Code that's at issue here. But what I think is worth emphasizing is that Trump was, of course, a federal candidate at the time that this hush money payment was made. He was running for the presidency. And so it might make more sense to view that other crime as a federal crime. Now, what could that be? Well, it could be as simple as reviving those discussions of the campaign finance violations. Again, Michael Cohen in open court said, I made those payments. I made those illegal payments at the direction of individual number one, Trump. So it could be that. Here's another little hiccup, though. It's not entirely clear that New York's law that says falsifying business records can become a felony if linked to other crimes it's not totally clear that those other crimes can be federal crimes. Now, I think absolutely the weight of the law indicates that they can be federal crimes, that you can be charged in New York with the state crime of falsifying records to cover up federal crimes, and that that is exactly what the statute envisions. But again, it's just another bump in the road for Bragg. What are some other bumps in the road for Bragg? Again, the New York District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Well, this is an old case. And in fact, Trump has talked about this on Truth Social. This is old, meaning he has said that the statute of limitations has already run. Now, the statute of limitations in this case is probably five years. And even the reimbursement payments were made more than five years ago. But 
there is actually an exception to the statute of limitations when someone has been, quote, continuously out of the state. And I think that Trump does fall within that exception. He has been continuously out of New York state. What's another potential hurdle for the prosecution here? Well, Trump has claimed and could continue to claim that he was just relying on the advice of his lawyer, Michael Cohen. This is called the advice of counsel defense. But Trump would have to prove that Cohen pretty explicitly told him that the hush money payment scheme was legal, and then he relied on those statements in good faith. It would be really hard for Trump to assert this defense without taking the witness stand. And if he takes the witness stand, that could open him up to a world of hurt on cross-examination. So I'm not entirely clear that he wants to make this advice of counsel defense here. Maybe the last big hurdle is that the key witness here in this case is probably Michael Cohen, and he is a convicted felon. So Trump will say, are you really going to believe a convicted felon? He lacks all credibility. Now, I think Cohen can rehabilitate himself in the eyes of the jury. But again, just one more thing for the prosecution to get over here. So where does this leave us? Well, one thing we know about historic firsts is that we view them as test cases and that they bear an enormous amount of weight. And so, again, I'm going to end where I began, which is if Bragg does move forward on this indictment and he loses, I think it's going to have this really detrimental ripple effect, both legally and politically, on future cases against Trump. So where are we for the sake of the rule of law, for the sake of the idea that no person is above the law? I really hope that if Bragg moves forward, that he has a stronger case than maybe some of us realize. So I wanted to get that out there. I wanted to explain to you what this indictment is all about and what I think the pitfalls are so that we're all ready if and when it occurs. Again, please rate, review, subscribe. It makes a big difference. And I hope you all have a great day. We'll talk to you again when and if the indictment comes out.